0: welcome to puzzling company your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries here are your hosts jared and zach oh hey guys i didn't see you guys there well welcome back to puzzling company It's your host, Zach, and always with me is... (laughs)
1: It's Jared.
0: (laughs) You want to redo it?
1: No, I don't want to redo it. I think they'll appreciate the authenticity. Excellent. We we were just having a conversation about how we hate doing the cold open, and Zach was like, I'm going to spice this one up.
0: (laughs) True. But yeah, welcome back, guys. Uh, On this episode, we are going to be discussing Scarlet Envelope. Uh, specifically all three of the first ones, uh, or I guess all three.
1: Yeah, the first three episodes. Yeah, so
0: uh, we're very excited to have you guys here, uh, and you'll get to listen to us discuss it, as well as hear from the amazing creators later on. We hope you enjoy.
1: I am Thor, son of Odin, and I am ready to begin my quest.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Jared, what in the world are you wearing? What's with all the purple and gold and that hammer thing you have?
1: Dude... You said we were going to dress up for the game tonight, and you said it was Viking-themed. So I threw on my Vikings jersey, and that's not a hammer. It's a legendary weapon called Mjolnir.
0: Jared, we're not talking about the Minnesota Vikings. Real Vikings. And you do know there's an entire real world out there, and that people like Thor don't come from that, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's called the Marvel Universe. He's an Avenger, <laughs> this guy.
0: Jared, the games we're playing tonight... It's based around Norse mythology, and we're going on an adventure to find the runes of Odin, a fabled source of power and magic. If you're listening, you should go to puzzlingpackage.com and join us on our adventure. And Jared, that's why I really think kangaroos are pretty cool because they actually can't hop backwards. Oh, gosh. Okay, we're back. Sorry about that, guys. You didn't have to listen to that discussion. Uh, but welcome back to the first segment of Puzzling Company. On this part, we're going to be discussing our likes and things that we thought could have room for improvement. Absolutely. For Scarlet Envelopes 1 through 3. So Jared, I'm going to start off with you. Oh. For our likes, what's something that you liked about the Scarlet Envelopes as a whole?
1: I think there's a lot to like and just just so that we're clear, the the Scarlet Envelope is a monthly yes envelope. You say envelope, I say envelope. We're all talking about envelope, the same three. envelope. But we, we specifically did the first three installations of Scarlet Envelopes so that we could have a variety of things to talk about, right? Yeah. Because I think that's especially important with something that's monthly. If you just judge something by just one month, it could be the best game ever, mm-hmm. or it could be the worst thing that you've ever played. So I think it's fair to talk about them in what's happened over a period of time. Sure. So we're talking about the first three. And we're going to do it a little differently. We're going to go envelope by envelope in okay. both of our segments oh, and talk true, about what we liked from each envelope and maybe where there was room for improvement in each envelope. Yeah,
0: that makes sense.
1: So the first thing that we really liked and that we learned in envelope one, and I think this is a cool thing that they're doing, is there. there's a larger envelope for I, or, a, or a larger narrative, <laughs> a larger envelope. That would be cool too. Yeah. A larger narrative that you're learning about, and there's kind of this – person that is driving all of the different episodes that you're playing through and i like that it's it's engaging it is pretty cool because in a lot of other subscription services that we've played the theme may change episode to episode month to month but there isn't always a larger driving force antagonist protagonist etc yeah and there very clearly is here and that's engaging. That makes me want to play episodes four through 12.
0: Yeah. I think the larger narrative is really interesting. The way they present it too, with it being kind of like background information almost, mm-hmm. it feels like in, in each of the envelopes or envelopes, however you'd like to say it.
2: Potato, but Also, potato.
0: Yeah. Tomato, carrot, <laughs> you know. Uh, but as the game goes on, and specifically with the way they show the narrative at the end of the envelopes Mm. of each of them, I think is really a fun way of doing it that doesn't feel like I'm just reading a lot. It kind of gives me a visual and an audio version of like, okay, this is what's happened. We're still trying to figure out really who this person kind of is that's discussing it with us. And we kind of learn more about them the more we kind of go through each of the envelopes.
1: Absolutely, But it feels
0: crazy that we... uh, we'll talk about this obviously as the as we go through these how we just jump around through cases it almost feels like through time and space
1: absolutely and to put a bow on this it i'm a big fan of Scooby-Doo yeah i hope i think a lot of us out there are but i find the later episodes of Scooby-Doo more engaging where there is a story that is moving between episodes versus the same formula and just different bad guys every episode yeah and that's and that's that's what we're saying here is there is a – let's call him a meta antagonist, protagonist oh, yeah. that is that is weaving these tales together for you, and that that makes it very engaging envelope to envelope.
0: That's actually a great way to kind of explain how it feels with it being kind of almost like Scooby-Doo-esque. Yes. Uh, because it is almost like they are their own individual episodes. Yes. So as the, the theme song would say, come on, Scott –
1: <laughs> I, Get, roll with it. Try it again. Roll,
0: yeah, we'll roll with it. Come on, Scooby Doo. We got some work to do. We're gonna go solve that mystery, Jared. Okay? Absolutely.
1: Yes, I love it. All right. What is the uh what is the second thing from the second envelope that we really started to notice? There are elements of this in the first one, but we really started to notice this and enjoy this in the second envelope.
0: Yeah, I think it's honestly the design. Yeah, they all, like how they design one the envelope and how the game kind of plays. I think is really good. For what it is. I also think the structure specifically of how the end of most of them work, mm. I think is pretty solid. Uh, we see it in other games, right? With having a like a an answer system, you yes. kind of get checked at the end to see if you are correct. Yes. Which I like. But the overall design of like the, the different notes and the newspaper articles and the videos, it, it's all really well done.
1: Yeah, I think it's very intentional. Yes. Um because obviously in an envelope you're going to have uh a lot of paper, but it's different types of paper, right? And mm-hmm. and and especially when when I was thinking through this, it was the online design elements that looked nice. Yeah. Like there's some cool interactions that you're not expecting it, everything looks really sharp everything looks very believable and there is in 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 this episode and in, in the following and there's a little of using that design to kind of bend reality yeah and we really liked that and it seems like the choices that were being made were very intentional and everything just looked really sharp and aided the immersive elements of what we were going through so Yeah, A-plus on those, and we really look forward to seeing more of the different design elements that they can bring out in the future episodes.
0: Yeah. What else, Jared? What do you think about specifically for maybe, like,
1: Envelope 3? I thought Envelope 3 was the bomb. Yeah. It was space-themed, so I already like kind of the sci-fi, so that may be a little bit of preference, but it was very clear that between episodes one two and three that the creators were taking feedback and making the game better yeah right we didn't get envelope one one a and one b like it got better in two and then it got better in three and by the time that you hit three you had a really engaging narrative you had wonderful tangibles the online aspects were just firing and then specifically and we talk about this a lot there was one puzzle that we just really liked yeah that involved a map and it just seemed like they were putting everything together and really hitting and if mm-hmm. and if the and if the rest of the episodes are on par with 3 then We've got ourselves a dadgum good series here. Oh, absolutely. That I think you should absolutely check out because as we're going to talk about, there were things in one where we were we were saying, ah, okay, like yes and no, and then two got a little bit better, mm-hmm. but three, we played three and it was like, yeah, that was tight. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really cool. enjoyed that. And it was a level of quality and excellence that we're used to getting from polished all in one experiences, yeah. right? Like they have the challenge and then they've put this challenge on themselves to create something monthly. Yeah. Like that's a lot, a lot of work in talking with other creators there. They've said like, I don't want that pressure. So that's why we didn't go that route. But I think Scarlet Envelope has kind of taken up that mantle. And if they can continue to produce things at the level and the quality of what was in episode three, I'm all in. Yeah. I'm all in. Definitely worth it. It was, it was really, 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 really great. All right. So let's go now into talking about where we felt like there was room for improvement as always, I always say this because it's one of my biggest fears throughout this whole process: is that people are think we're going to be bashing games. We say these things out of love. We say these things as we do when we're talking with the creators. This is where we feel like there could have been some improvement. in Absolutely. our Absolutely. Uh, first thing, episode one, envelope one. What did you feel like could have gone better in that?
0: Well, I think the envelope just. You know what? You, you know what? I'm going to say it again. I think that it just sucked, okay? <laughs> I, I I hated it. You know what? Every night when I go to sleep, I have nightmares of Envelope 1. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, it's sarcasm again. Uh, but realistically, uh, the thing that we found could be improved, specifically in Envelope 1, and this is something that this was just a personal thing, too, I would say very much want to, like, reiterate, was that we did not realize, and maybe this was just on us, that Episode 1's onboarding, is the entire envelope. Yes. Uh, kind of a <laughs> That's spoiler. That's so true, yeah. But the first one, and I think the more we looked into it, it they kind of do hint at it that it's supposed to be kind of like an, like an onboard intro, right? Yes. which makes sense. Usually your first one in a series like this would be more of like a, an intro of how things would work in the mechanics. Absolutely. But not knowing that, and if you only got like the first part, and you were like, oh, I got, I got episode one, and it literally is just like a pure onboarding experience, Yes, It feels weird, and then not having an onboarding for something that you're not sure is an onboarding experience also felt weird at the end because we were like, okay, well, we just got an envelope with a bunch of things on it, and we have zero idea of how all this is going to work.
1: Right. It felt, it felt random.
0: It, it's very random.
1: And, and, and it's supposed to, but yes. you don't – what Zach is saying is you don't know that it's supposed to be Correct. random. You feel like you've got a little bit of this story, and you're trying to link it narratively with this story, and you can't. Until the very end, but what we needed was some direction on where to start, what to touch first, where yep. to look first, and then the experience as a whole onboarding you to the narrative series works, mm. but um, but one thing I will say about this is in talking with Anna and Lisa, the creators, is we got version one alpha, we we got the very first, and I know that they yep. have very much worked hard to change a lot of that since Mm this. Um, And again, we say that because that's encouraging to hear for us as people who play and review games to hear that owners and creators are taking honest feedback from people that are playing their games and not only making their future endeavors better, but making their past endeavors better because future people are going to play them. Yes. Uh, So, but yeah, that is what we thought. We, it's a cool idea to onboard the narrative but if it doesn't, if you don't onboard your onboard, then it can be a rough opening envelope. And I don't think it was rough in terms of puzzle material. It just felt scattered and didn't have a clear beginning point.
0: Yeah. Definitely agree with that.
1: Well, for thing number two, the in envelope number two, right? We're talking about the second envelope now. Mm-hmm. We felt like, and this is this is something that we've actually discovered in quite a few games, but There is an issue with puzzle flow when you have the ability to discover puzzle answers without a place for puzzle inputs, right? Mm -hmm. So there, there is a point in this where if you choose to go path A instead of path B, you arrive with all of this information and it doesn't feel like you have a place to put it.
0: Yeah, I think that was another part that we didn't feel as much in the first envelope because we kind of figured out the onboarding, but specifically sure. in Envelope 2, it very much, we realized how the game would play after playing the first one. We're right. like, okay, so from a majority of it, we felt really solid. But then, like you said, having the, like, not knowing kind of how the, like, the solving outputs of it, it felt really weird having all this information and not knowing
1: what to do with what
0: it. What to do with it. You're like, okay, well, I've gathered uh, this person, this thing, this happened. But where does it go? I just now have like eight things I have held up of right. information. And then it, when you eventually get to the end, then you get the system that shows you. Like, and
1: you're like – you say, oh, it's an uh-huh aha okay, moment. Okay, so now
0: aha. Uh-huh, I Now I answer everything I've learned. But it just feels weird where you're like – because there's other clues, right, that are just like the others or that they're obviously very narratively tied to. So you're like, okay, well, we solved let's say clue three. And Clue 5 has very much the same narrative on it. Yes. you're like, okay, do I start tying these together? Maybe this gives me a whole new answer that leads me to maybe a website or to another piece of paper.
1: Wherever we're supposed to go.
0: And you're just like, no, okay. And then when you get to the end, like you said, the aha moment of realizing where you do solve it. But it feels weird for a majority of the game. You're just like, I I don't know what to do with this or this or this.
1: And it it made us on a couple of occasions question whether or not we had the right information because – traditionally information leads you forward mm-hmm. and it's almost like if you're in an escape room and you solve a puzzle and you have a code or you, you get a key, but you don't have the lock to put it in or the correct input mechanism to put it in. You are questioning constantly, did we do this right or did we skip ahead and we shouldn't have? I think there's something important about giving players the place to insert the information that they've garnered from a puzzle and then be able to move on. Because if we had had what we had at the end, then we could have felt more certain about our answers Mm -hmm. and just had a sense of, I don't know if the right word is um, accomplishment, but we would have felt like, hey, we solved that puzzle. Yeah, that fits, that we should try that. But for a majority of the game in that Especially with the narrative element, it's kind of a murder mystery type of experience in Envelope 2, correct?
0: Yes, in Envelope 2 it is. Yes,
1: and we were like, what do we do with all this? And and as we said, it does reveal itself. But I think we would have appreciated knowing, hey, this is going to go somewhere. Trust us. Hold on to what you need and bring it with you.
0: Yeah, we've actually been playing another series, which we'll talk about on a future episode. Yes. But one of the things I find interesting about that specific series is that they do give you a hint very early on, actually, usually in their first envelope or their like, because they also do like an envelope type system. Type of things, yep. Um, And in it, it very much tells you, like, hey, this is kind of what you're going to try to do and this is your objective. You know, but you still have to figure out everything that goes in it. Sure. So you still have all the answers, but it basically gives you a heads up like this is what you're kind of looking for. And this is kind of what you're wanting. So that when you do eventually get to like a solution solver, you kinda of go, Oh, okay, and well, all eighteen things of information I've gathered, I knew how it was gonna go. Yes. Well, on this one you kind of just gather a lot of information and you're just kinda of hoping until the end. Yeah. So I I think it's something small, but it definitely kind of throws pe- – I could understand like – I mean it threw us off at points. Sure. I could see how for other people it could also throw them off like I'm not sure my answer is correct. And then you get to the end and you realize you threw off yourself entirely because you weren't sure. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I think I think it's good to think about those things in your earlier envelopes because, you know, you – as a business, you want to hold on to customers, right? And if And if there's issues in your earlier envelopes versus – uh, your later envelopes, you know, you want to be able for that subscription to continue. So I think just a simple fix of giving us a way to see that end goal while we're solving makes it go a lot smoother. Yeah. Uh, Zach, what was the last thing? Uh, and this is a little, <laughs> we talked about, we, we joke about this from time to time. Yes. What was the last thing uh, from envelope three? And I really feel like this was through some, most of the envelopes we played. What, what did we have an issue with an envelope three? Yeah.
0: Uh, So, actually, this element does apply to every envelope because it does specifically go to the end of each. Yes. So, without telling too much about it, I have to tell you, obviously, a very simple part of it. But I'm going to try not to give away too much. There is obviously, as we talked about early on, there's a larger narrative with someone else involved who's kind of leading you through different cases through times and space. Yes. They, of course, want to keep themselves secretive and not to give you either a information about who they really are or their identity or their voice. And specifically this person
1: lives in the shadows. Correct. They thrive on anonymity.
0: Yeah. They want to be cryptic and that makes sense. Now, when you watch the, at at the end of each game, there's a video that explains the full narrative that you should have learned through the game. Yes. And just kind of gives you like a a solution as well. And then ends the, the voice, (laughs) it's it's supposed to be cryptic and it makes sense so it's very like stat and not staticky, but it sounds really deep and you can't understand you just you can't understand them and it's supposed to kind of be that way it makes sense and, there's and they subtitles. they give you subtitles yes. to match it but it feels really when the video is like four minutes long after your game and it's talking about the entire story that you learned and you just hear, woo, 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 and it says, the Galactic Empire has done this, you're like, <laughs> uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Which, like I said, it it makes sense to the game, but for me, I almost wish maybe the cryptic voice sounded less Crypt- distorted. I agree. So that maybe, it still sounds deep, but it sounds more like I could understand it. And it could have been just us. But right. it... It threw us out of it when we got to the end, and we're like, we realized that it's telling us the narrative that we did learn, which we liked the narrative very much. But then just being like, okay, what's well, what we already have heard, and I can't really understand it, so I don't know if I really care to fully listen through it.
1: Right? It's uh, because it's what you've worked hard for, right? It's, yes. It's the payoff. At the end of the episode, it's the reward that you've worked hard for, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not the end of the world, but we just think it's funny because we always turn the subtitles on, yeah. and uh, but we do want a more clear voice. Anna and Lisa we're asking for a clearer voice, uh, still cryptic, um, but we would love to be able to understand that person at the end.
0: The rest of the video is great, though. Oh,
1: yeah. I, like I love the, the character.
0: The character itself is good. Yes. And then I also like that it does bring video and picture elements into the videos to kind Agreed. of keep – like I said, it it's doesn't a recap up the story. It's a recap.
1: It, yes. It, and, and, and that's a good point too. Not a lot of games recap you. Yeah. It they does do. a really they, job of being they, they, they recap the narrative and that's – I think we should have put that in the likes is there's not a whole, whole lot else doing that. You're, you're supposed to make sense of it on your own but they kind of help do that. Yeah. So overall, I think Zach and I really enjoyed the Scarlet Envelope. Scarlet Envelope was great. We're literally watching this company grow. Yeah. And it's a lot of, a lot of lot of fun for us to see passionate people get better at their craft. Yes. And that's not to say that episode or episode or envelope one was bad. It wasn't. It was enjoyable. We had fun with it. But the amount of growth that you can see between episode one and episode three is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, it's, it's watching people who are newer to the industry go on a journey. And like I said, if, if, if we have envelope four sitting back in our office right now, we'll probably play it in the next week. If it's anything like episode three, I'm, I'm in, I'm hooked. I'm hooked on the larger narrative. I want to know what's going on and I'm having fun going place to place, solving puzzles. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is the end of our first segment. Y'all hang around. We got puzzles to the people coming next.
2: Solve puzzles. Write reviews. Win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People.
0: Jared! 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 I found this really cool box outside. Can we please, please, please can we open it?
1: Are you out of your mind? Look what it says on the box. It literally reads, Root of All Evil. There's no way we're opening this box.
0: Oh, come on, Jared. What's the worst that can
1: happen? Have you ever seen a horror movie? Listen, you don't split up your team. The basement is not a good hiding place. You don't give cute little creatures water. And above all, you don't open the mysterious and creepy box with the word evil on it.
0: Please, Jared. No!
1: But if you're listening and you have more guts than me, you should actually head over to com and pick up a copy of Root of All Evil. Um,
0: Jared? I think I need to tell you something.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We are now in our second segment of the show, which we call Puzzles to the People. In this section, we actually spend a majority of the time reading your reviews. So if you're leaving us reviews, shout out to you. Thank you so much shout for out. your feedback. Uh, we'll be sure to mention your name if you leave it in there. If not, you will be known as
0: Anonymous. Ooh.
1: Kind of like our meta-character in this series. Yes. So what we do here is I always pose a comment, question, idea to Zach, ask him to agree or disagree with it, and then I usually chirp in with my own opinion at the end. But let's start off with some of the feedback we got from Scarlet Envelope. This is a quote from Anonymous. They said, for the price, these surely deliver some entertaining puzzling, some entertaining puzzling. I wasn't totally sure about the first one. It was really easy. But the next were more challenging. Agree or disagree?
0: I very much agree with this. I think that for the price, it very much is worth it. And how much the like how much different types of puzzling you can do, and the entertainment value that you do get from it. The first one, when we find out it is supposed to be a full onboarding experience, essentially, it is
1: a lot easier in right. my
0: opinion than and then two than three.
1: Right, and the meta puzzle, the meta puzzle of number one makes it really easy. Correct. Yes. I mean, it's
0: like it's a point it's not supposed to be like the most difficult. Or sure. at least I you know, in in al- the version right. alpha that we had, it wasn't I wouldn't, to be crazy I, difficult.
1: I wouldn't lead with a difficult oh, yeah. game my series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
0: it was very easy. Like when we when we completed it, we were like, okay, this is good. Like I we thought it was really interesting, but it felt crazy easy, especially with a lot of the the small puzzles that lead to the meta puzzle. But two very much takes it up a notch comparatively what we remember in one at the time. Because I remember we got into them, we're like, okay, this is definitely a little bit more difficult. Some of these like some of the clues were still like pretty good at being pretty difficult, but not crazy. Yes. And then when we got near the end of the metal, we we're like, okay, yeah, this definitely does take a punch. There's specifically one about maybe a, a murder weapon and what was used that we were like, okay, yeah, this is actually kind of a difficult puzzle to make like the connection between this piece of paper and this information saying from this book on this website that says this, and we have to know this person's job, you know, and how they're related. It very much felt like it was definitely a step up. And then when we got to envelope three or episode three, it very much jumped a whole new level. Absolutely. Uh, It still did a good job of like slowly escalating through the actual envelope itself, specifically in three. I think three was great at it where it starts off kind of like, okay, this is kind of the intro. This is kind of the information you're going to gather here. And then you do a certain puzzle in it that gives you a database to more information of how to solve more of them. And then it gets harder and harder and harder until you get to the metal puzzle and it gets probably the most, I mean, obviously the most difficult it will get. And it it does a really good job of that.
1: I agree. No, I agree uh, with the comment as well. I think the games do offer very solid puzzling. They're fun. They're unique. Uh, and worth your time puzzling. The first one is a little easy, but again, I said it a second ago, it's intended to be. yes. And I know you. for a lot of people, they only get to judge a game and whether they want to continue on with a subscription by the first envelope. Yeah. Uh, continue.
0: Yes, very much continue. Continue.
1: Continue into two, three. We're excited to play four, five, and so forth and so on. Yeah. But you... I think it's worth it, and I think we should keep going, and I think our anonymous commenter here brings up some good points, but we are trying to tell you from our expert opinion that keep going. Yes, Um, it's very much worth the
0: future investment. there,
1: There was a lot of great feedback that we got in terms of the later episodes, Yes, so please continue on and know that Scarlet Envelope is continuing to try to make those early experiences better, more inviting, and the other thing, I think this is a good time for us to talk about this is the subjectivity of difficulty. Sure. Right? Because, uh, well, let me let me read this comment first, and that's kind of what we'll dig in into. Because our, our second thing here is, um, the second comment, this is from Matt. They said, these are some great games with solid puzzles that make sense and a good narrative. My only complaint is the cost for how much playtime I get out of it as I was able to complete each of them in under an hour. Yeah. So let, let's let's have a conversation, and I want to talk to you about this. Is difficulty the subjectivity of difficulty, and whether you agree with what Matt is saying for here, the value versus the time?
0: It's always a hard thing. um it's it's interesting, right? The way I would look at this is that when I've ever had this question before, specifically, it's either with events or it's video games for me personally. Sure. It's like, okay, you know, an average video game, no matter what it is that you're buying, if it's if it's Madden, if it's World of Warcraft or whatever you 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 play you have to also really think about okay, well if I'm spending, let's say in wow, it's fifteen dollars a month, am I getting fifteen dollars worth like a month worth out of this and time? You're like, yes or no. You know, in Madden, it's a one-time thing, but it's like, hey, you're paying $60, you know, to play this game. Yes. So then for you it's always up to and I think this is the hard part is I'm gonna uh, probably agree mostly with this comment, but I think the thing I want to say is I think it's on personal level what you find uh, like good for time versus price. Yes. Because if I'm like, okay, let's say I spend, you know, $20 for me generally when I do video game versions, right, just so I have like a comparison, I'm like, okay, if I spend $20 and I can get like two hours out of it, that's really solid, you know, in, in pure play time. Now, in some experiences, like when you play, like, escape rooms, right, obviously those are going to be more expensive, generally. When you do uh, at-home puzzles and mysteries and stuff like that, generally some of them are a little bit more expensive for the amount of time you actually play, but you're getting really solid products. Yes. Or potentially more down the line. For these games, I thought they were worth the price. Now, I could understand where Matt is coming from, though, where if you just blew through some of them, you're just kind of like, okay, well, I, They were good, but I, like, I had no real like, right. challenge, and I felt like I spent more than the time I actually got to invest into it. Which makes sense.
1: It's to me, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with what Matt says because I think you, if you're a veteran puzzle player, you have to know what experiences bring what to the table. Sure. So, would I personally gather four other friends? for one night and have one Scarlet envelope to work on? Absolutely no. not. I think this game is best played with one to two people when you have an hour, hour and a half of time based on how many people that you have, and then it's an enjoyable experience, mm-hmm. right? So there's there's just so much subjectivity, but generally, like, if you're buying, like, an exit game or an unlock game, they, they are about anywhere from $10 to $15, and they market themselves as an hour worth of time. Yeah. Scarlet envelope, in my opinion, is offering some very different things at the same price point regularly. So they're giving you consistent content. That's also true. uh, So absolutely it's worth it. Yeah. Like it's not a question, but then you have to know how to frame it. Puzzles and different puzzle games are a dinner plate. Scarlet envelope would not be my main course, but it is the perfect side or dessert, to go along with a puzzling night, so I wouldn't just play a Scarlet Envelope for like a game night.
0: Mm-hmm. It would
1: be one of many things that I would play.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes like it was for us. I know, like one of the games we played, it was it it was that for us. We played a bunch that day, and it was just yeah. uh, it was the like the first one we played because we you know we did. I think it was episode two that we actually played another game the same day. Yeah, we
1: did. We played episode two with a couple of other games that day. You're right.
0: Um, episode three we played the only by itself, uh, but we we had time. Restraints that day specifically, sure. right. um, But generally, like games like these are good like that, and I completely agree on that aspect that it it's very much a good like snack. Yeah, but not my my three course meal.
1: Absolutely, it uh and, and, and it has value in that is what I'm trying yes, to say. Very much because uh, you could you could get three months worth and have a night, and then that's what fourteen nine fifth forty five dollars for a three hour game night that's that's good. That's, that's about really good. that's about what you're paying but i i and then you have different things that you're going through, so I think the value is here um maybe at twenty twenty five I would say no, but at where they're pricing it right now, I think it's spot on yeah yeah absolutely all right this is uh from a reviewer named Anon, which I'm not sure is short for anonymous a lot of mis A lot of uh, mystery in this episode. Very true. Uh, He said, "This was part of that." This person's review. They said most packages contain primarily puzzles and an appropriate amount of narrative to tie them together. So, my question is: Going off of their comment, do you anon makes it sound or anon makes it sound like it's a balanced experience? What do you say to that? Like, if you're saying, is it more puzzly or more narrative or more narrative or more puzzly, where do you rank this game in terms of both of those criteria?
0: Sure. Okay. So if we're going to do it over the entire series, right, I'm going to go by envelope because I think that's the best way for me to explain it. Sure. I think I agree. The only part I would disagree is maybe the first envelope, but we, we've we talked about this a lot. It sure. was an onboarding experience. Sure. We don't know that. Also, the the narrative of that one comes later
1: on. Right. It's what you're learning throughout the Correct. entire series.
0: Yeah. So if I go by Envelope 1, it's definitely a solid amount for it being an onboarding experience, especially the puzzles. Now, the narrative is less in it, but that's the point. You learn that the narrative is bigger at the end it's because it sets up the rest of them. Sure. Which, that, like I said, that makes sense. Envelope 2 does a really good job of having a narrative that feeds throughout the entire game and puzzles that match it. And that the ending gives you a good solution. Envelope 3, I also agree with very much so, more than any of the others. I think it does the best at giving you a really good narrative that you can find throughout everything and ties them all together really, really well, but also gives you great puzzles that work with them. So you're not feeling like, okay, I have this narrative in the background, but I'm just doing this puzzle that doesn't make sense to that narrative or yes. connects it well. Like we talked about it and Jared specifically brought it up earlier. There's one clue that we really like that involves a map in finding out specifically what's been going on or who's been doing the thing that's happening in in episode three and being able to do that and match it to like the, the logs we have that we're trying to figure out who did it and trying to decipher messages between aliens and humans. Yes. Uh, it, it's cool being able to figure out like, okay, we do this and this now we, we have a trajectory If this is the only place it could go from here. It, it does an, an amazing job at that.
1: Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with what you said. I think the balance The creators are working towards a balance, yes, and they really hit that stride in the third envelope. Mm -hmm. Um, Down the road, we are going to review episodes 4 through 12 in one mega podcast episode, but I'm excited with the balance that they have struck because I think we are going to be reviewing games in the future that are going to sway more one way intentionally, right? Um, yeah, like like do. like our past episode, our episode five was about enigmas. I personally would say that's way more puzzly than it is narrative.
2: That's the point and, of it. And, and
1: that's the point of it. And then we have a game coming up, uh, I think it's next month, where we're going to be playing uh, Runes of Odin. Mm-hmm. And just in talking to other people and the owners, we know, hey, this is going to be way more of a narrative it experience. It
0: is a very much a narrative experience. And,
1: and, and it should be front and center. Yeah. But I think where Scarlet Envelope is heading, where they were in episode three, it is very balanced. And that's enjoyable for a lot of people. Yes. So I'm I'm on board with either Anonymous or Anon or whatever, Anon, whatever they're going by. All right, this is question number four for you, Zach. Diversity is the strong point of Scarlet Envelope.
0: Ooh. I guess I'm going to say... I agree with the statement. I think diversity specifically of the, the diversity of each of the episodes and how they actually feed into each other is really solid. It is definitely one of the strongest points is how they keep that narrative flowing where it doesn't feel like I'm doing like, – like we talked about earlier with Scooby-Doo as an example with the, the later on series. Or really anything is when they can do a good job of giving you like individual episodes that feel like their own thing but also do a good job at the end of recapping and rewinding you and go hey this is actually part of this bigger thing or we talked about the Marvel universe like how the movies have their own thing but then they kind of hint at you at the end like or you know through some of them they very much remind you like hey you're part of this big universe with all these other characters and it it blows that out of the water like honestly with how good that is the only part that i was questioning it is if you ask me the puzzles if I felt like the diversity is the strongest point in every of the puzzles, I'd probably disagree because I think we do run into some of the same things. Maybe worded different, right? Or themed differently. Sure, But you like the, I'm going to say as an element, right? This isn't true for all of them, but the element of like, okay, I got a newspaper article and I'm looking for this in it. Yes. That's kind of common. This like looking for this postcard or item on it that has a QR code scan is in more than one, sure. If I remember it correctly, it there are things that you see pop up again, so I can almost argue that the diversity in some of the puzzles isn't the craziest. But if you're asking me the overall uh, envelope experience, yes, it is very much a strong point.
1: I agree with you. I do think that the diversity between envelopes is a major sticking point because it feels like a lot is varying between episodes. So in episode two you are solving almost kind of, um, it's it's a, it's a murder mystery. I don't want to call it a whodunit, but the way that you're solving it is very different from the way that you're solving things in episode three. And then you have a theme difference, and you're wondering what is the connection, what is the tie between all of these episodes. Yeah, And that's engaging, right? Mm-hmm. Because other subscriptions that we've done, while the theme may be different, the way that we are solving puzzles is the same, or yeah. the the driving puzzle mechanic is the same. Thus far, through three episodes, a lot has been different. Yeah, And, that, and, and in my mind, that drives the curiosity and the engagement of, well, what are we going to encounter in the next episode? And that makes me excited for a Scarlet Envelope to pop up in my bail box. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think that is the strong point of Scarlet Envelope is – you may wonder what the next theme is or you may already know, but you don't know what dynamic or technique or mechanic is going to pop up in their next series. Yeah. All right. The last question. This is this is big time. This fifth question. Do you know who the voice is? Do you have a guess? Ooh. Okay. I. And hold on. Sorry. I want to frame it like this since okay. we're all about analogies. One of my favorite shows, and this I may say this, and you may never listen to the, our podcast again, and you may judge me heavily, but one of my favorite and my wife's favorite shows that we've been watching for the last three seasons is, can you guess what it is? That's going to work into this. No, you can. You can say I
0: know what it is, but I want you to say
1: it. I, come on, I think you know what I'm about to say because there's a lot of a lot of people hate this show.
0: Well, okay, I might actually not know okay i'm gonna I'm gonna say new girl
1: no, no I like about? we like new girl it's the mass singer, oh yes, yeah, yeah in in my mind, the bigger meta game here is you're playing the mass singer with this voice. who is it? Who is it? Yeah, are true. they leaving us hints? Do we know? are we or is there supposed to be some big reveal at the end where we don't know? Uh, and in the mass singer, every episode, if you like puzzles, they're leaving you hints. Yeah. about who is this person singing that you can't see. So uh we, we should get we should be getting some ad money for this. We need to be calling uh forget who it is. Is it Fox? I think it's Fox. Sure. Uh, I'll
0: I'll ask them all. For my... uh,
1: call Fox and get some ad money. But that's that that's my question in, in kind of a funny way you do you have any guesses who our uh, our masked uh meta meta character is
0: okay. I have two guesses. Uh, both are completely different from each other. Oh, okay. Okay. So one is I'm going to go by specifically, if I remember the voice in one of the episodes, I think that it's a female Ooh. or someone that it maybe identifies more with that. Okay. Um, because I feel like the voice is edited to be one deeper, but specifically how you say some words in a higher pitch voice when it gets edited to be low pitch kind of sounds, I wouldn't say weird, but you can kind of tell it's someone saying something in a really high pitch voice sure, or in a higher pitch. And usually let, let's say in the example, there was just some words that I felt like I was like, maybe this is not like a, like a big burly man with a deep voice saying this, <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay, it could be a female. Let's say that's my first guess. You know, I'm like, okay, who would I think would do this? Who would go through time and space and help me figure out these different mysteries one I think it's Velma
1: from Scooby- wow you're sticking on the Scooby-Doo theme
0: I know I I hope you really enjoy it so that's that's my first guess or some random female is just asking me to solve random things for them which is fine I'm totally fine with that uh the other guess is that it's Optimus Prime <laughs> And that he doesn't want to give away what's going on because the Decepticons will come and get him.
1: Wow, those are two iconic figures that are really dry. I don't know if Scarlet Envelope has the rights to either of those characters. Oh,
0: absolutely not. But ma- maybe
1: that's why they're masked?
0: Exactly. Or, this is another reference, it could be Steiner. <laughs> and Steiner's working at his other job currently.
1: So Steiner from Society of Curiosities has jumped ship and is kind of...
0: He's more like us. And what I mean by that is currently we're part of like nine organizations and all of my bosses either A, don't care or B, they don't know. And I'm really trying to hide that from him.
1: Here's what I think. Okay. I think it's Bane from the DC universe. Okay. But it's Bane being socially responsible and wearing a mask. Okay. Which furthers the – Crypticness of the voice. So Bane, in my opinion, is already very difficult to understand. Because
0: he has a mask. Because
1: he has, but now. to his face. Right, yes. but now he's, I mean, he's no different. Like, he has, he should have to wear a mask if he's, I don't know if Bane has COVID.
0: Double mask?
1: Double, so, and, okay. but why Bane is getting us to do all of these things, I don't know. Because one thing that we haven't decided yet is, is this character a character for good? Is this a character for not so good? Is it a, a gray middle character Yeah. um we don't know we're kind of blindly trusting this individual thus far if it is an individual who knows we've in recent other things have been tricked by individuals who are actually organizations like
0: yeah, we <laughs> we uh in, in another game we'll talk about it at some point we unfortunately have uh Basically help the enemies.
1: Yeah. So why why should we be so trusting and continue to complete missions for this? Like I'm going to, but shouldn't we think about who's really driving here?
0: Yeah, it makes sense. It could also be Bane trying to like, maybe he's got an internship with the Riddler. (laughs) It could be that.
1: Final answer. The voice is Bane wearing a mask, doing an internship for the Riddler. It could be. It could be oh that's so fantastic i love i'm i don't i don't want to guess anymore that is an image i want to have somebody draw and like at bane at a really small desk maybe getting coffee for the riddler
0: he's also he has he's trying to read the lines off into a mic and he's just trying to say the different riddles and then the riddler just comes over he goes no 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 (laughs) He's just like like getting mad at him. He's just like I'm sorry. And he's just, but he, you know, he's he, he's jacked his crap on the small desk in a small chair, just almost like in, in the Incredibles. Yes. When Mr. Credibles is at the he's desk at that it's very at, small
1: just, desk. Yes. So Anna and Lisa, if you're listening, it is Bane wearing a mask, being socially responsible. Excellent. At an internship at a very small desk, doing the bidding of the Riddler. I like it. Batman, watch out.
0: True. I, <laughs> if I was Batman, you know, I would.
1: Hang it up. Hang it up. Maybe walk away. Leave it. Leave it to Zach and I, the professionals at this point. Yeah, us. Well, all right, you guys, that's going to wrap up puzzles to the people. Stick around with us for questions for creators.
2: There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is questions for creators,
1: Hey, guys. Jared here from Puzzling Company Podcast. We get a lot of questions about how we make our podcast. The truth is we belong to a great podcast network called Rogue Media Network that helps us produce our episodes. They can do everything from help you craft, record, and edit your podcast. If you've got a story, they can help you tell it. Check them out at roguemedianetwork.com.
0: Welcome back, guys. Uh, We are now in our segment called Questions for Creators. In this segment, we are going to ask the questions to the creators themselves and kind of ask them things that, you know, maybe about themselves or the, the creative process, because, it, you know, you guys know this if you've listened to other episodes or if you haven't. A lot of these people work with a either a small team or even by themselves. And the amount of work they put in these games sometimes is is insane. Yeah. When you really look at it. And we've been able to have some amazing people on the show so far. And actually, for today's episode, we get to have two amazing people on.
1: Yeah, we do. We get to have Anna and Lisa, the co-owners and creators of Scarlet Envelope. And they're a lot of fun.
0: Yes, they very much are.
1: They're, they're a really fun dynamic. It's always a joy to catch up and talk with them. And we're excited to hear from them.
0: Yeah. So in just a little bit, we are going to ask them the questions.
1: Well, Why don't you kick us off with that, Zach?
0: Sure. So question one will be, Tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you were doing before Scarlet Envelope.
2: Hi there. My name is Anna. This is Lisa. Hi there. <laughs> and we are Scarlet Envelope. And we are a Toronto-based couple. We have a Russian background, two dogs, and a passion for puzzles. Um, Scarlet Envelope is our first puzzle project, the first game project, the first crowdfunding experience. So there are a lot of first times here. And we're really glad to be here on your podcast. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Anna is a PR major. Uh, yes, and Lisa's got some education in engineering and architecture. Uh, but my whole life I was really a digital marketing strategist and a social media strategist. And I was designer. Yeah, she's a professional designer. <laughs> she led like a team of professional designers and stuff like that. Uh, we worked together for a long time before starting our own little boutique agency, which pretty much means it's just Annie and Lisa, you know, working in their pajamas at work. Just um, like Scarlet but Just like Scarlet and, Blow, but, so... like Scarlet and Blow, but doing like boring things. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was a content agency. I mean, it still is, but we do less of it now because we've got Scarlet Envelope. Mm, we are creating web designs, um, email marketing, um, managing social media for clients, making promotional videos, things like that. So we do feel very comfortable creating things. And that's why when we came up with Scarlet Envelope, we thought, oh, okay, like a good amount of time, uh, we're just going to be doing the same things, but for our own project. And not, you know, for clients like, I don't know someone's selling shampoos and we're making a video of this you know shampoos reach. I mean that was fun for a while and then it just got um I don't know the same every time you do it I guess you want to make it short she so. said oh my god yeah I can't make it short you want to make it short anyway uh in a nutshell with Scarlet Envelope we get to do the same things but for crazy worlds like you know we're taking you to space or we go into the 19th century France and we're still making some videos. We still work with some audio files. We create some designs, uh, produce promotional materials kind of that look like, you know, letters and pages from encyclopedias and stuff like that. And we can really make them look and feel real. And I think that's what our players appreciate. And that's what we really like to do.
1: Question number two is how did you come up with Scarlet Envelope and what drove you to take a chance on doing it? Mm-hmm.
2: So mm-hmm. it's all got born from Anna hating to work for someone. Well, okay. The, oh, we're going deep. Like I was just going to say, you know, COVID here. Yeah, exactly. Then COVID and she went to yeah, business. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so Anna's always wanted to have some product. <laughs> Let's just start there because so... Uh, and I always want that. My whole life I've been working in service, right? Like it's a service business when you're, uh, help your clients achieve some results, you're promoting your clients. And I've been in this my whole life and I've always wanted to work for myself. And when we created this boutique agency, I felt like I finally achieved this goal of, you know, I'm my own boss now, but in reality, um sorry, dog barking story. Uh, in reality, it really wasn't what I thought because yes, I am technically working for myself, but it's still very much limited by what my clients want or need. And if this are is- are going deep. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, we are here. So what the hell? Um, so uh, I always wanted to do something that's, um, you know, to use my own judgment. To not really limit myself when I want to do something crazy. Um, and when COVID hit, uh, we saw the opportunity to do something new because we had a little more time on our hands.
1: Um, we, were we were bored. We were
2: at home. We couldn't go to our favorite escape rooms anymore. We were also into this new format of um, murder mystery game, which got like really popular in Toronto in Russian-speaking um, community community yeah it wasn't really a thing in english-speaking community for some reason it was like when you go to a restaurant and you solve a murder mystery in two hours but it's not a puzzle it's just a murder mystery yeah but it was really intense really fun we really got hooked very on it story-based and then you know suddenly everything stopped we couldn't go play our, our favorite games couldn't go to escape rooms we had no idea that things like escape rooms in boxes or envelopes exist So we started Googling that Lisa found the couple, we played a couple of things like that. We definitely loved the format, but we didn't really fall in love with any of the subscriptions and we started thinking, you know, what would we do differently? Um, it, it was literally like we, we would play a game, just sit down and be like, wow, why wouldn't they just build this or that? Like, why wouldn't they just go crazy? Why is it always a treasure hunt? Uh, why is we every also, other mystery kind of like the same? Why wouldn't they spice it up? And then I was like, okay, well, how would we do it? And I literally sat down and ran some numbers and got surprised because the subscription model seemed really interesting in terms of uh, you could actually be making money on it. That was a revelation for me personally, because um, even though I've been in a so-called creative business, uh, all this content creation and marketing is, you know, considered to be a creative niche. But I've really never thought that you could actually be making money. Uh, hopefully, one day even full time, without any side hustle, um, just by doing something purely creative, like you create something that never existed, and you just put it, you know, there in the world. It's just there now, and people like it, or they don't like it. And they pay for it or they don't pay for it. And I don't know. I know right now it sounds funny, but it was literally a revelation for me. And I was like, this is seriously something that we could be doing and we could be paid for it. And we tried and we had no idea how actually stressful it would be and how much work it would be. But uh, no regrets. Absolutely. It's been a wild journey. Oh some regrets, a little bit of regrets, just in terms of we maybe could have given ourselves some more time. Deadline. Um, yeah, but we were under pressure. Um and so an experience. <laughs> but what I actually meant was we saw, you know, the COVID just hit. And I, I saw this opportunity, yeah, (laughs) just purely as an entrepreneur, I saw an opportunity that people are staying at home. You know, I wasn't really thinking about the puzzle community specifically. I was thinking about Just your regular customer who's never really played a puzzle game and i thought okay there is this like big broad audience right now of people just stuck at home and bored and it's only gonna last you know for a couple of months or whatever and we just we have to go full speed right now and we did and we risked a lot of things and we launched the kickstarter and everything just happened crazy fast and then It's been a year, coronavirus is not going anywhere. We could have really slowed down a little bit. Um, But at least it kind of feels like we were one of the first new companies to launch when the pandemic started. So it it was still a great timing, and and all the decisions we made, you know, it's all worth it in the end, I'm sure.
0: Question three is going to be, in your own words, what is Scarlet Envelope all about? What parts of the game do each of you respectively work on?
2: You know what? Uh, when I saw this question in your list of questions, I really like, I I was thinking about it for a long time. And then this morning we got a message from one of our players. He sent us a review and I thought maybe I could just read it out loud because I would never say it like, like this. It was so nice. So. Um, It's from Ryan Sparrow. And Ryan, if you're listening, thank you so much. It really made our day. Every time we get uh, some nice reviews in the morning, it's like I'm smiling the whole day thinking about it because everything is just, it's worth it. when players enjoy the game so much. So Ryan is saying, Excellent storytelling and something new and delightful to look forward to each month. I always eagerly await the days I see the red envelope peeking out from my mailbox. The puzzles range from deceitfully simple to immediately head-scratching. Thankfully, there is a great hint system. One of my favorite parts of this subscription versus the many similar ones I've tried is that all puzzles genuinely seek to fit into the storyline and further the game in some unique way. This is what, you know, when we just started, this would be something I would really look forward to hearing from a person who's played the game. This is so nice to hear. And I think Scarlet envelope is about this feeling um, of, uh, I don't know, just waiting for this bright red envelope to pop up in your mailbox. And not knowing what it's gonna be, because every envelope is a new world, and we work hard to create this uh, fresh new feeling of you, you know, time traveling or jumping into a new genre of a game. Um, and for me personally, Scarlet Envelope is just about this freedom to be creative, this freedom to do whatever I wanna create, do whatever. Uh, again just no one limits me here i can literally sit down and come up with anything yeah freedom and it's amazing for me it's it's that and i'm very hopeful that it's just it's only gonna grow and give us even more opportunities to create something beautiful so what do you do in our games oh why won't you talk about that because because why not she writes stuff i do stuff (laughs) so When you when you're asking manager, (laughs) I work. Uh she screams, I cry. (laughs) Uh so when you ask about uh Wait, you're talking about yourself crying or myself crying? Yourself crying I was talking about yourself. Yeah, I'm screaming, you're crying. crying Well sometimes you scream and I'm crying. Yeah, Yeah, sometimes we yeah. Women owned business. (laughs) Mm, Family owned small business. (laughs) Mm, a lot of screaming and crying. So a great thing about uh, being in business with your partner and the person you really know for a long time and you love is that our taste in art and entertainment is very similar. So when I come up with something and I really feel like it's cool, I got it and I tell Lisa about it. It's usually a hit. Yes, Lisa says, yes, cool, we're doing it.
1: So we really love the design work in your games. Tell us more about the role that design plays in your games.
2: Well, in a nutshell, uh, I think Lisa will be talking about it, but just from my point of view. Because (laughs) you're a designer. Oh my God. You're the manager. When it comes to design, I think that it's very important because um, without the good design, no game will be immersive. And Mm -hmm. our players definitely appreciate when they actually feel like they are a part of the world that we send them to with this envelope. And the design really helps with that. Gladly, we've got Lisa for this, and she does Well, 95% of the design tasks. And when I say design, I mean both puzzle design and graphic design. And when she says 95, she means (laughs) hunger. No, actually, okay. Yeah, those 5% that you're doing, and I redo them because they suck. Wow, guys, now you now you know how hard it is to actually create a scarlet envelope that you love so much because half of the company is being really mean to the other half sometimes. Well, okay, let's remember that one of the favorite puzzles of our players in the whole chapter so far is the star constellation password from game three. And it was completely and fully designed by me from the idea to the way it looks so I do some design usually when Lisa is too busy like when Lisa is too busy with the puzzle design and just putting everything together and sometimes the you know the deadline is just like there and we just have to do something about it and we've never hired any other designers because Lisa is very particular about the way everything has to be done so sometimes just like you're yes also very of particular. course i'm not saying like it's a bad thing it's a good mm-hmm. thing so sometimes i am honored and allowed to do some design for the games um yeah this um, is yeah. one exception i agree this this is And that was a great exception it. every time people comment how they like this puzzle i get it all like oh shivers <laughs> <laughs> no honestly it's just because lisa is really great when it comes to puzzles i feel like my puzzle design is it's it beginner's luck okay maybe beginners like who knows um well for me i just feel like i recycle a lot of ideas even though i try to be original it's still like i need to play a lot of games i need to you know stay sharp to create a good puzzle
0: we're actually really interested in this how do you go about creating the puzzles in your
2: games well, I sit and then I create, that's... It just comes to me, that's the, so God, helpful. the God speaks to me. And that's I'm so like, helpful for the young creators out there, Lisa, but like honestly. I don't know, you just think about the things that could be in this era. On this envelope oh, okay. that fits in the story. And then you go, well, what can I fit into the encyclopedia page or something? Yeah, honestly, Lisa usually gets uh, like a 30 pages long structured <laughs> Google document never from read. me <laughs> that says, okay, here's the plot. Here are the characters. Here here's are the, the items. Here, here, here's the twist. Here's the goal. And here are like eight items or usually it's like 10 items, but we don't take all of them. Tell me what works. Tell me what you can do with them. Um, I've got some ideas. You know, sometimes I just come up with ideas right away and I just tell her, okay, there has to be an encyclopedia page, two-sided. It has this and that. Here's the imagery. Go for it. And sometimes it's just like I literally go, we need to fit two puzzles. I have no idea what we're doing with them. I have no idea where they're going to go. Just please save us because we're doomed.
1: What can we expect from the future of Scarlet Envelope? Do you have other ideas for different games in the future?
2: You know what's funny? The second our campaign ended and funded. And, you know, we just signed up to create 13 games in a year. First thing we're asked in the first interview is, what's going to come next? And they are like, whoa, 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 give us a second. <laughs> we still need to figure out what comes now. We don't know what comes next. But no, to be honest, we do have ideas for after That's chapter so one, cool. uh, we're not going to be, you know, we haven't told anyone because it's not set in stone yet, but what I can talk about and spill some tea are the games that are coming in the chapter that have never been mentioned. Um, Okay, well, first, this one was mentioned, but no one really knows a lot about it. Uh, game six is called Screaming Venice, Art Heist of the Century. Uh, this is this is a beautiful game like it's beautiful i really love the way it is because it's all about art and i am really an art geek so i'm really going to speed with it i'm really having fun creating this game um and it's not just an art heist investigation it's actually when you uh, unravel the mystery it turns out to be a pretty dramatic love story Mm, and it's gonna take place in uh, Italy, obviously, in 2010. Here, 2000. Oh no! 2000. Yeah. yeah, it's it's fun. I really, I really like the way. It's yeah, I haven't seen get the get 30-page page document yet, so I don't know much about that yet. But the document already <laughs> exists, and it's almost done. Um, and the next game that was mentioned, but we've never really talked about the plot, and I can actually. Yes, ah. The Tale of a Golden Dragon. I, I can't wait to work on that game. Honestly. Yeah, me too, me too. And the narrative is already finished, so it's just the puzzle design and, and everything else. Um, So The Tale of a Golden Dragon is going to take place in medieval times, but not the uh, regular medieval times you used to, the crazy twisted medieval times where everyone flies on dragons, like rides horses. They just, they ride dragons because why not? And um, the inspiration for this game was the Witcher game and the Witcher books. So you can expect kind of like this uh, funky little village with some wizards and some uh, monsters. And there is this, there is, obviously a castle, was obviously a princess. And this princess got herself a cool, expensive toy, the golden dragon, a very rare type of the dragon. And the dragon just went rogue and just burned the whole village to the ground, which is definitely not cool. And you're gonna solve this problem for the princess. Um, and technically it's gonna be like a treasure hunt game, which we've never really had before.
0: Okay, this is a question for everyone what games are you playing currently that you think our listeners should check out?
2: Ucho Marta. Yes, definitely. Um, probably the best game in it's the it's not industry. a puzzle game. That's a I've thing. played so far for me. But it only had a handful of puzzles, it was, and it was mostly a narrative uh, investigation narrative mystery yes. game. Yes, yes. Uh, it's by uh, MPC Mystery Package Company. The series is called Postmortem, and the game is called La It has beautifully made physical items in a beautifully written um, mm-hmm. story, and it's just the narrative just unravels the way you want the beautiful detective story to unravel. It's just, I was enjoying every plot twist. Every step we took made sense. Everything was logical. They gave just enough information for you to really, you know, sit down and think to to really work through all the information that you got and we solved it and we loved it we felt really good about ourselves I have a pin and I'm for the first time in my life so excited to have a pin I never got this before you know like I turn into that person I am because now I feel this and now I feel this, you know, before that, when people were asking for a pin, uh, when we had the Kickstarter campaign, we weren't really getting it. Um, I mean, we we, yeah. we made the pins. Don't get us wrong. We have like 250 pins ready for Nobody people. Nobody saw them yet. <laughs> Nobody saw them yet, but we do have them. Uh, but we really, like, it was a mystery for us why everyone wants pins. Like, okay, you want them, you can have them kind of thing. But now I actually really get it. She wasn't as excited about our own pins as about the recipient. Yeah, pin. yeah because I felt I felt like a part of the story. And this is what the detective investigation um has to be like. That's why um the problem is it's sold out on the website right now. I checked recently, but guys, keep an eye. It's, it's a beautiful game and I really recommend it. And probably all of them in the postmortem series. I don't know, but I'm definitely purchasing all of them to try them out. Um, and f- 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 what else? What when else? it comes to puzzle games, I want to give a shout out to Bluefish Games and the King's Elevator Bluefish? Game. Bluefish okay. Games. Bluefish Games. Um, the Kings elevator is amazing value um, it's uh, it's packed with really cool original puzzles. The digital production is beautiful it's fun and light and relaxing just I found it perfect for the you know evening after a busy day when you actually kind of feel like, oh can I really you know does my brain work anymore but you do want some entertainment and that's what it is some your really fun entertainment mm. we really appreciate everyone who took time to listen to this podcast who's interested in, in our story who plays our games um you mean the world to us and because of you guys um you allow us to do what we really love um almost full time now and we love it so much and uh, your trust is everything to us and I just want you to know that whenever there is anything you want to ask us or anything we can help you with, just always feel free to reach out to Scarlet Envelope. We don't bite. uh, And we love connecting to everyone in the industry.
1: Well, that's going to wrap us up for our sixth episode.
0: That's it? That's all we have?
1: That's all the time we have today, Zach. We have jobs, we have other games to play. It's not fair. But we really enjoy playing the games of Scarlet Envelope and getting to know them as well. Yes, very much so. They are a Canadian dynamic duo that we will be enjoying their creations for a long time. Hey. Hey. Shout out to the Great White North. And we're just excited. Anytime they want to come back, we'd love to have them. Yes, That's going to take us out for today. If you would, if you would subscribe to our podcast or just put it on a routine download, that would mean the world to us. It helps us get our message out there about great games better, and it yes. would just mean a lot. For our creators, you can find their creations at scarletenvelope.ca. Don't do .com. You won't find them. You won't. Scarletenvelope.ca. That's like Charlie Alpha for being military. Nice. Yeah, you didn't think I knew that. Uh, scarletenvelope.ca you can find them on social media as well at scarletenvelope and find us come visit us on Facebook puzzling company or Instagram at puzzling company and be sure to come back next week where we'll be actually talking about uh, a game from overseas I'm talking about the legendary game known as the VOC treasure (sighs) Whoa. That's going to be exciting, and we will catch y'all next week. See you guys.
2: Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling.